Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and I'm so happy that you're joining me here again today. And because my passion is to help dads become heroes, it is my joy each week, as you know, to bring you relevant topics that support that goal, especially when it comes to the dad-daughter relationship. And in case you're new to the program, here's the template that will guide our conversation today. On your mark, get set, go. I want you to envision yourselves, dads, standing side by side each other, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines as your coach saying, on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme. Get set is filling that in with stories and stats. And go is always your practical action step where you can put your love for your daughters and your sons into action this week. Well, today, my guest coach is a longtime friend of mine named Bill Dolan. Bill is president and creative director of Spirit Media, which is a creative marketing agency based here in Portland, Oregon. And as an Emmy-nominated producer and director, Bill has been a part of producing live events for 500 up to 250,000 people. Oh, my goodness. He's directed national and international television broadcasts for millions and has acted as creative consultant for hundreds of organizations from emerging small businesses to Fortune 500 companies. And he's also the author of a new book titled The Seven Disciplines of Relationship Marketing, where he uses insights from his long career to help us navigate in stronger and healthier ways those relationships that matter to each of us. He also does online and live workshops, including individual coaching and marketing services offered through his creative agency, Spirit Media. Well, most importantly, Bill has been married to his high school sweetheart, Camilla, for over 30 years. They have five incredible adult children, three sons and two daughters, as well as one beautiful daughter-in-law, and in his own words, Bill says, the most adorable grandson in the world. Welcome, Bill Dolan. Thank you, Michelle. Did I get that last part right about you the got grandson? It. Absolutely right. And, <laughs> and and from when I shared that with you, he's gotten even cuter. Okay. Oh gosh, it's like every day. One of the greatest joys is is if I get to see him because he he still lives in the area. But my daughter in law has this app that posts these pictures every day. Ah. So I. You know, I don't hear a lot of alerts, but that is one I have an alert set for. So when I hear the ding, it's like, oh, whoa, 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 we got another Ollie pick. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, today for On Your Mark, we've come up with a title that is The Power of a Dad's Presence. Right? Yeah. Let me say that again. The Power of a Dad's Presence. And you're going to help us unpack that theme from your powerful life story that I know is going to touch so many hearts and lives today. So thank you again for being here. Oh, thank you. And I, I do. I, I, I pray that the life story... It's filled with thrills and chills and uh, triumph and tragedy. Yeah. But the lesson is one that I think is intensely powerful and one that I continue to learn today. Well, let's even just start there. So to set the foundation for this topic of the power of a dad's presence, tell us about what I would call your near-death experience, but Mm -hmm. it's really your death experience, which not a lot of people can say. Tell us the story. Well, you know, it goes back, as you said, I've worked in television and media for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. And um, when I started the creative agency, Spirit Media, uh, most of my work actually was out of state. And I traveled all the time. And I was in a place where I had produced a documentary. It was really a dream job. And I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I was kind of a little full of myself at the time. Because I was thinking, oh my gosh, here I've got this great 
you know, deal where I get to do what I love and, and people are going to pay me um, residual money. So it wasn't just like a gig money. It was residual mm-hmm. money. I thought, oh, I'm really nailing it here. And, and I remember getting on the plane that day because uh, I had a distributor in Nashville who said, we want to write you a nice check for the rights to distribute your documentary. Oh, man, that's perfect. Right. And I was traveling with one of my best buddies in the entire world, someone that uh, a lot of people around here would know, and that's Timothy Greenidge, one of the greatest gospel singers in the region, audio engineer extraordinaire. Mm -hmm. And uh, we hopped on the plane, and probably about 20 minutes in the flight, I just started to feel strange. I couldn't put my finger on it. It wasn't like I was sick, because I never, ever got sick. But something kind of consumed me. And for the first time, I really was nervous on a plane. And I started staring at the bag, you know, the one that's in the... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember thinking, no, not the bag. No, (laughs) not the bag. And it got worse. And I I really thought things were closing. And I I turned to Tim and I said, Tim, something's not right. Mm -hmm. That's the last thing I said. My eyes rolled back in my head. My arms fell limp. And my heart stopped. Wow. Now people who know me know that I, I kind of have a sense of humor. So, Tim at first thought, oh, Bill's playing like the dead guy in a plane joke. And oh, my like, goodness. You know, that's a big favorite. And um, they realized something was really wrong. Now, Tim will admit he didn't know CPR, but he did know about chest compressions. So, uh-huh. he began, while I was sitting in the window, not yeah, the window seat in the plane, he began doing chest compressions on my chest. Kept working it, working it, working it. Nothing happened. And you're still sitting up. You're not down, flat. Well, yeah, kind of like because I'm in the in the chair, right? You know? Still in the chair, I'm flopped, but I'm not like flat. So he drags me out. Now Tim's a big guy, and I'm a little guy. I, you know, some people think I'm descended from leprechauns, you know. <laughs> and and Tim grabs me and puts me in the middle aisle, and he starts doing chest compressions again. And um, he said he was at the point where he was ready to bust my ribs. And he was hauling back to make like the punch of his life. And I took a breath. Wow. And um, it made such a scene. I mean, long story short, we we made an emergency landing. Uh, I ended up in a cardiac wing. And I was diagnosed with malignant neurocardiogenic syncope, which is kind of like an adult SIDS. And it's where the brain and the heart get out of sync. Hmm. It's kind of like a kissing cousin to fainting. So, if someone like faints, it's because the brain and the heart kind of get out of sync. I have such an extreme level of it, they call it malignant, and the only way they could deal with it is to put a pacemaker in my chest. Okay. The best part is I remember everything. And the experience I had, while he saw a dead body, I crossed the threshold of eternity and came face to face with God. And that changed everything. I mean, literally, I'm choking up just hearing that. What was that like? Well, um, that's almost another show entirely. Um, and I write about it in the book because even to this day, I continue to unpack what I experienced. But the short version is this, is that any paradigm I had of God limitations, expectations blew up. And probably the most profound for me was this, that I thought as a little kid, and just the way I was raised, I had some tough situations as a child. 
And I was pretty convinced that the day I ever, if I ever saw God, I was going to get a finger in the face and I was going to get a list of every way I'd failed, Mm -hmm. every way I'd screwed up, and how I disappointed God. And that's kind of how I was raised. Mm -hmm. Instead, I was overwhelmed with the presence of God's love. And it was like 360 degrees. It was his love for me and his love for you mm-hmm. as, is as eternal as he is eternal. So it was so mind-blowing. And it's as if like a laser beam came through my head and just like pierced my thoughts and gave me a sense of understanding about who God is that forever changed me. So look at here we're talking about the power of a dad's presence Oh, yeah. Talk about the power of God as a dad's presence in your life as you were standing there with him, which then obviously invites the next question is, how did that translate to the way that you fathered when you came back? Because talking about that experience being, like you said, laser beamed into you, you can't have come back to your relationships with your kids, namely your daughters, after that the same. Absolutely. You you, you can't. I mean... The thing is, is that having such a profound experience like that, I think, I mean, we love the movie side of, 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 um, of our existence that says, look, this happened, a light switched, and everything changed. The thing is, is that the light definitely changed. But for me to grasp it and to understand it and then to apply it is a process. And mm-hmm. it's a process today. It still is. Um, but the biggest thing is that... It, it, it made me realize I did need to be present. Mm-hmm. and More than you had been? Oh, way more than I've been. Way more now, than you'd been. Look, when you say present, I mean, it makes an assumption that I actually understood what that meant. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, I realized that one of the ways I wasn't present was I just wasn't around. In fact, for my, my wife and my kids, it was like I was an absentee husband and an absentee dad. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought that if I just show up, you know, and show up at the volleyball game or show up at the party or show up at this, that somehow punctuated by certain key experiences would would be like being present. And I still don't understand what presence was, yet I punctuated. So, I did change my business. I stopped traveling as much. And that was a first step, mm-hmm. but only a first step to make that decision to be there. So, how would you define presence now? Oh, gosh. It's not just physical showing no, up to no. key events. It's what? Well, well, right now, I feel like I'm present with you. Mm-hmm. And part of it has to do with, I'm here in this radio booth here. I get to look into your eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hearing you. And I'm responding to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not so much thinking about, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to say? Yeah. Um, I'm listening to you. And I'm listening to those folks, you know, that are listening at home or in their cars or wherever they are, that how can I say something or be there, whether it be listening or sharing, that's meaningful and relevant? Because I deeply care about this relationship more than my appearance. Right, right. More than saying something that's going to be so profoundly eloquent that you go, oh, this is great. No, I just want to be here. Mm-hmm. And there's power in being there. And, um, and I will say that um, I learned it in two examples. 
you know, and we'll talk about a little bit with someone that kind of that you wouldn't expect would teach uh-huh. you lessons of presence. But I got it when I talked to my son. Now, my kids are now adults. But uh, my son, Willie, has been very faithful to look me in the eye because he's intensely present. I mean, gosh, he's just so tuned into that. And he kind of schooled me on what it meant. And to give somebody 100% of yourself in the moment, it's like, that's it. Well, let me ask you, how did you then dial in more specifically with what your son taught you to your daughters? Oh, well. Because they need a different kind of presence, I think, oftentimes. I mean, you're the same dad relating to sons and daughters, but what changed that way? Well, you know, it was awkward. It really was, because once you're exposed to what being present is, and then you realize that you really haven't been, I felt like I had room to make up, and I didn't know how to do it. I remember having, I have two absolutely incredible daughters, and mm-hmm. I'm madly in love with both of them. And I remember having some really awkward discussions, and sometimes when you haven't been present, trying to interject yourself and be present isn't always well received. Yeah, especially if your daughters are a little bit older, you exactly. know, little girls. Exactly. And so, um, sometimes that attempt to be present doesn't look like this this rich father-knows-best episode where you sit down on the couch and look eye-to-eye and hold hands. Sometimes <laughs> they look like, I'd call them drive-bys. Kind of like a drive-by episode where you drive by, open the window, bang, bang, I'm going to give you some information. Bang, bang, you know? Yeah. It looks more like a crime scene sometimes. And it's awkward. <laughs> but you seize every opportunity to you have to to try to get permission yeah. to sit in the seat next to them. And to hear whatever they need to tell you in whatever way they need to tell you yeah. those things. And I needed to, and I, and I still am, teaching them that having that discussion with me is safe. Yes. And I'm not going to react and I'm not going to disappear. Yeah. Well, even in preparation for this program, this interview, I love that you admitted to your daughters, you say, yes, I'm madly in love with them. But you said, I can say that I failed many times giving them the gift of my presence, and I'm trying to make up for that now. What kind of amends have you made, or what kind of awkward conversations have you had with your daughters? Well, it's great you ask that, because I continue to try to just be there, and I respect their space, too. That's the one thing about being a father, is that you you want to be in their life, but you want to understand when it's comfortable what they want. And so if they say no, not now, you honor that. Well, yeah. And both, and both my girls, you know, they're in their careers now. I mean, I have one that's kind of in the corporate world, another one that's pursuing music, and they have lives. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not the center of their world yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. They have other things. So I have to be able to feed into that big picture of what they have and respect that they need to pursue that. But, and here's the but, when we can create those opportunities to be in proximity to each other, and to pursue those things. Like, for example, um, Heather, my oldest, I'll just call her. She'll just call me. And it's interesting. Wow. We will start out with a, how are you doing? And it could be a five-minute conversation, but we have had one-hour, two-hour conversations that just go into, what's happening in her life? What's important in Mm -hmm. her life? Um, Because you're asking the questions to draw that out of her. And I think it's, I've had to prove to them that I really care. Yeah. 
That's, I mean, that's tragic to say. But for someone that, a father who, I think, stepped back a little bit because I was successful in these other areas. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was being a father because I showed up the big things and I made sure the money was there. Um, Yeah, providing. Yeah, providing. I'm doing that thing. Um, I thought I was doing okay. What I didn't realize is that I'm not sure I felt like a confident parent. And men frequently, I mean, we all like to win. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that if we don't feel like we're winning, we subconsciously step back. Exactly. Instead of stepping into the challenge, Mm -hmm. we step back from it. And then we go back to that thing that we win at. Like I win at work. I win in my career. I win at this. As a parent, oh boy, I'm still figuring that out. Mm -hmm. So, coming in and just being really vulnerable and saying, honey, I don't know, but I am so in love with you, Mm -hmm. and I want to be there for you. I want to have that relationship. Um, I went back to my youngest daughter. We had a window recently in preparation for this, and I said, honey, what do I need to know? I love that. Great question. Wow. What do I need to know? And guess what? What? I shut up and listened. Come on now. Preach oh, it. Wow. Shut up and listen. We should call this program that. This interview. Shut up and listen. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a brilliant. I mean, I mean, we make all these pillows and posters and motivational <laughs> right. things with kittens and stuff like that. Just put that down. Right? Exactly. Shut up and listen. Yeah. That's probably the best advice I could give myself. Oh, that's powerful. You said there was a second story, and this is the one that has to do with someone who taught you the power of Uh, presence. Yeah, and you know what? It's not at all what I expected. Because I think for me to learn presence, I had to really experience myself. Mm -hmm. Again, my life, and I I live kind of, bang, I'm going here, I'm going here. I realized that even as I haven't given people presence, I haven't given people the opportunity to have presence with me, because I'm like, a ricocheted bullet. I fly in, right. hit the wall, and I'm on to the next thing. And But in this case, I was hired to do an interview with President Clinton. And um, we get to work with a lot of celebrities and meet people in their homes and do these different things. And But I fully expected that with the President of the United States, and he was out of the office now, but you still call him the President, mm-hmm. um, that this was going to be tight. I mean, like, tight, 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 boom, get in, do this, do this, mm-hmm. and he was out. And I had all his handlers remind me, look, he's got a tight schedule. Mm-hmm. He's going to come in. He's going to do the interview. You know, I think you've got, like, 15 minutes. Boom, gone. And then he's late for some other things. He's going to, like, meet with the Dalai Lama or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. So, when we got in, we had everything set up for him. He came in. He did the interview. And he's eloquent. He's, like, crazy. He drips charisma, by the way. Okay. And um, regardless of what you feel politically, he's good. He's good at what he does. But at the end, and we're all done, he stopped and he said, did you get a chance to look around while you were here? I said, well, no. no. And he started asking us questions and then showing us around. He took, and now his other people were freaking out, you know, because he had to get this yeah. thing. But he took that time looked into our eyes, asked us questions, told us stories. And I was just blown away. Mm -hmm. And I went, this is what presence looks like. And feels like. And what it feels like. Yes. I felt like he genuinely cared. Mm -hmm. 
He was interested in what we did. He was interested in my background. He was interested in sharing some delights of mm-hmm. his, like how his book had been translated in 40 languages. Oh, let me tell you this story. Let me tell you the story. We ended up spending quite a bit of time with him. So when he left, I was like, I was present. I was stunned by the presence. Uh-huh. And I looked to his people and I said, is he like that, you know, all the time? And the Secret Service guy said, yeah, you just became his 100,000th best friend. Oh, my goodness. That's his gift. Yes. And why he has succeeded, regardless of his politics, mm-hmm. because he gives people mm-hmm. presence. You know what, what I even love in your story? And if you're just listening, I'm talking to producer, director, author, Bill Dolan. Is if we translate what you just said to fathers and daughters, I wonder how many dads let their daughters walk them around the room. Let me show you what I earned or what I did or what I made or what I'm reading. And to get to hear the stories about her life just by letting her walk you around, quote, her house. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. In fact, you're giving me ideas for what I want to do with the girls. Like, oh, show me what you're doing now. Yes. Show me what you're doing now. Yeah, and even this week, you know, I was showing my dad, I love pictures, and I took a bunch of them on the vacation, and I put him on my computer instead of my phone to walk him through them. And I could tell I had exceeded his bandwidth for paying attention to what didn't really matter to him. And what I've often said to dads is your daughters watch you for two hours intently watch a movie that you love or a sporting event. But then we walk in and you're already, you're done in like two minutes. We can tell when you're not present, when you've, you've, you're kind of there, but not there, you Mm -hmm. know? So Bill, I know we're, we're, Closely wrapping up our time in a, in a few minutes, but what would you tell the dad that maybe is in a season of his daughter's life and his life where she's shutting him out a bit? You know, she's like, dad, maybe it's too little too late, which is part of your story. You said I had to, in fact, what ages were your daughters when you had your death experience? Well, were they teenagers question. or? Um, let's see. Heather was 14 and then Courtney would be tenish, which I think the important thing, mm. the reason I asked you their ages is dads may say it's too little, too late. I've got to kind oh, of move yeah. on. So I just want to ask you that question. What would you tell the dad who has a daughter who says it's too little, too late, Dad? I don't want to dial in now. I don't care about your presence now. Yeah. Well, that's a tough question. The first thing I would say, and it's really the the place where I am right now, and that is that, um. Remember why you are a father. In fact, there's a piece of my book, I talk, I talk about the mission manifesto. Mm-hmm. And, and really, it's a combination of some really important things. Now, they apply to marketing, they can apply to campaigns, but they apply to life. And to recognize why your purpose is a father. And to recognize that there's missions that need to be accomplished to do that. And so goals. Good. And I know when I was first... Becoming a father, I can't have this vision of what it looked like. Mm-hmm. And it's like the cover of a puzzle box. And it doesn't mean that at any point in your life you get all the pieces. Right. But every day you go out and you pursue the pieces. And you pursue that relationship in any relationship, especially with your daughters. It's worth pursuit. And yeah. if they know that you're madly in love with them mm-hmm. and you continue that pursuit... It might never be perfect, but it's the journey you need to go on, and that's what relationships are about. There you go. Last question. 
If you could give dads one go step, and you really have woven them into the conversation mm-hmm. today, what would be the last thing you'd want to say to dads? Put this into action this week. I would say right now, um, call your daughters and let them know that you're madly in love with them. Tell them why you're madly in love with them. And that no matter whatever decisions they make, no matter what way the relationship has ever gone, that nothing in this world will ever separate your love for them. There you go. Nothing. Nothing. That's what God taught me about his relationship with us. Yeah. And that's the relationship I want to have with my girls. Oh my goodness. I love that we've ended there. A soft spot in a daddy's heart for his girls. Well, if you've just joined us, I've been talking with my friend, author, producer, Bill Dolan. Today on your mark has been the power of a dad's presence. I trust that between today and next week, you will put into action the things that Bill has shared from his heart as a dad to you. As always, you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com and find free resources. You can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blogs. There's also a link to Amazon where you can buy my book, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, a guide for connecting with your daughter's heart, where it's also available on Audible in my own voice. Remember, you can subscribe to the Dad Whisperer podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, where you can listen back to any of the past shows. Well, this wraps up another week's program. It's been fun to be with you all today. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer, signing off and encouraging you dads to make today a day where you are intentionally and consistently investing and pursuing your daughter's hearts. Go Dad! 